and get all these questions in. Um, so we got a bunch of them, and we have been wrestling through all of those. Last week was uh, different. We only answered one question. This week, I'm going to try to answer six or seven of them. Uh, I had to cut a couple of them because we just didn't have enough time. But what I'm going to do at the end of this series, uh, I will have a blog we're going to post that's going to answer all of your questions. So any, if you submitted a question, you will get an answer, whether it's up here or whether it's on our, on our website, um, you will get an answer. Um, but we got a lot of questions about the church in general. So today we're just going to go through, it's going to be different than we normally do. I'm just going to list the question and I'm going to answer it. That's how we're going to do it today. It's going to be a little different than normal. If while I'm talking, you have more questions, you can still submit your questions. Um, I will be right outside there in the foyer afterwards if you want any clarification on things. But you can also continue to submit those questions. You can put it in a nice grill out there or go to infectorsmithy.com slash grill. You can submit your questions there if, if my answers give you more questions. So let's get to our first question, shall we? You guys ready? Wow, okay, all right. All right, what would you say to someone who generally has trouble trusting pastors? That is a very good question. I like that question. Um, and um, the first thing I would say to someone who says that is, I understand. I understand why you would feel that because um, I have been in church long enough. I have been around pastors and they have broken my trust. And um, I have been around those situations. So this is a good question. I know that this question, um, and if you have this question, maybe you didn't ask it, but you still have this struggle. I know this question has a lot behind it. There's most likely a story behind this. There's, there's, there's things behind it. So I want to first say that I understand. I understand why you would have trouble trusting pastors. Most likely, if I went through what you went through, I would also have trouble trusting pastors. That's the first thing I would say. Uh, second thing I would say is, um, when it comes to getting to the point where you decide you're going to trust another pastor or another leader of a church, um, I would say you need to have realistic and reasonable expectations. That would be key. Realistic and reasonable expectations from your pastor. Here's some things that you can always expect from me. You can expect when I come up here or when Michelle comes up here or anybody else comes up here and preaches um, that we have done our homework, that we have done our studies, that we have looked at the Bible, we've done a lot of research to discover what we feel like God wants you, wants you to hear or what God wants to say to us, that we have done that. That is a realistic expectation you should have from me. An unrealistic expectation that I'm always going to say things correctly and I'm going to be perfect. So I promise you, ask my wife, I will not be perfect. None of the leaders will be. There are going to be times when I hurt your feelings and I won't mean to. I, you need to have, you need to trust a little bit with that and that's kind of the question, but there's times when I may hurt your feelings and come to me and ask me about it. If there's ever that time comes, come and talk to me. Um, the, the worst thing to do is if I hurt your feelings to tell everybody else, talk to me. And, I, and if there's something there, we, we can discuss this. That's number two. And number three, what I would say is to be um, cautiously optimistic as you work on trusting a new pastor. Cautiously optimistic. Let me give you a, a metaphor I thought of when I was thinking about this question. Before I married Erica, um, I had a lot of girlfriends. Just broke up with her ex-boyfriend, and 
was just not ready for another boyfriend until she went back out with the next boyfriend. Anyways, that's my details of male status. So I, but it took a while for me to trust somebody else. Here's what I did not do. I did not swear off girls. I didn't say, you know what? All girls are terrible. I can't ever trust them because everyone I have trusted has hurt me. I haven't done that. But instead, I didn't just go, okay, that's what I'm going to show up. And yeah, I'm just going to trust you from the back. I cautiously and optimistically went to the next one. I took my time. I was careful. I didn't just jump right in. But I was optimistic because I wanted to find someone that I could marry. So when it comes to when you have trouble trusting pastors, I would say be cautious. It's not a bad thing. Take your time because I know that, that pastors can hurt you and pastors can be on ego trips. I get that. Take your time, but be optimistic because uh, when you're able to fully trust a pastor or a leader, then, uh, man, there's, there's a lot of good that can come out of that. So that would be my answer to that one. So next, next question. How do you come up with ideas for sermons or topics for your series? That's my question. Um, so uh, we, we have a, a team that um, gets together once a, once a year that maps out the entire year, and we will go through, we, will, we talk about some of the books of the Bible that we've been reading, we, we will talk about some of the topics that um, have been sticking out to us, and we will just write all of those out on a big whiteboard. And then throughout the, the, the year, we'll look at some of the holidays that are coming up, some of the things that are happening around certain times, and we'll try to generally make our, our series based on that. And then at the beginning of each series, uh, actually two weeks prior, I meet with uh, some of our production team. I talk to Frank about the theme song, but we start to really dig deep on what those series are. Um, so I, I'm a fan of series, as in it's a month-long series, but we're not always going to be doing series. I know there's some, there's some churches that do just the book of the Bible for the whole year or book of the Bible for a certain amount of time. Um, we're going to be going into that a little more. I don't want to be stuck in one format. But that's kind of what we're going to for the first year. So we have a team that gets together and we figure it all out. We figure out what we think you would like for us to talk about. And if there's everything you want us to talk about, let us know. We will talk about that stuff. Uh, we, we like to do certain topics like dating, uh, like parenting, things like that. We also just like to dig deep in the Bible because we think it's important to do that as well. So um, we have a series coming up that will be that as well. All right, next question. Do you have any frustrations with the church as an institution? If so, what are they, and how do you hope to counteract those things through impact? Um, how much time do we have? No, um, um, I do, and here's, I'll tell you my main one, and I don't know if this is as much the church as an institution as it is just churches that I've seen. Um, it's very easy for churches, and I say this because it happened with me, and, and it can happen with every church. It's very easy for churches to become like this. Like, this is our stuff. These are our people. This is what we are doing. And I know this because I've done this. Um, it's very easy for us to do that and to make us think, and what happens when we do that is such a terrible thing to do. First off, it's not biblical. God does not call us to do that. Um, but it also just creates this atmosphere that we are the only right church. I'm telling you, there are great churches in Sykesville. There are great churches in Sykesville. They might be different than us. We're not better than them. We're not right over them. There are great churches in Sykesville. There are. So, when everyone has that attitude that we are right and the other never wants to wrong, that's, we got to be careful of that. That's pride. And I've seen over and over and over churches that just become all about this. And if somebody leaves to go to another church, hey, what are you doing? You need to stay here. You need to be here. 
I've seen it over and over and over. So one thing that we will do and are doing and are currently planning on doing is we are a church plan, and um, there was 14 churches that supported us through the church plan process. I met with a lot more than 14 churches to see who would support, and a lot of those churches became like this. I started to see it a lot. Um, I don't want us to ever be that way. I would rather, I'm telling you this, and I'm talking more about it, I would rather help plant another church before we buy a building. I would rather help another church start, which there's one coming. I've already talked to some people that, that are going to be playing with the church. And here's why I like to do that. Because it's so easy for us to be like this. And when you plant other churches and you are part of that and you give to another church, you have to be like this and say, God, whatever you want. So um, the best thing that churches did for us is in order to not be like this, when I showed up at the church, they said, hey, we're going to give to your church plant and we want you to take anyone you want to take. You, you ask them if they want to go, they are free to go because they're not our people. They're God, if God's calling them to move, do that. And so we are going to be planting churches. And my goal is to hopefully plant a church every five years is our goal. And if that means we have to wait longer for a building, we will wait longer for a building because um, this is a way for us to make sure we're not like this. So as an institution, I think at times we do that. And um, those are some of the things that we're going to try to do to break that a little bit. So um, hopefully that, that, was, that answered that question. Well, okay, next question. What sort of accountability is in place for leadership and impact? Are there any safeguards to prevent power trips or abuse within the organization? That is a very good question, too. And I know where this question comes from, and you might ask the question because I've seen this happen. Especially some of the big churches, I've seen power trips happen uh, with pastors. Um, when I was playing impact churches, there's something I found from the article that really alarmed me and said that 75% of church planners are egomaniacs. That's scary. And I was like, oh no, am, I'm a church planner in my in that category. I was getting worried about it. I don't think I am. You can tell me if I am, but I, I so that's so what happens in the system of church planning, especially, is that you can start to just grab people that are that type of character, where they are very good at self-promoting, and they're very good with that stuff. So, so um, power trips can easily happen. So Here's what happens here to make sure that I am held accountable. So there is, we have a church board. Um, there's four people that are on the board, and every, um, starting next year, uh, they will be elected by you guys for the first year because we were just starting, and we didn't really have a congregation at that point. Um, it was an appointed board, but starting in, in January, February, you guys elected the board. Uh, we will give you names that are qualified, um, but you guys elect them. That's two year terms, that's how that works. And the board's job is to make sure that we are doing the mission and vision that God wants us to do, that we are going the path He wants us to do, and to make sure that I am held accountable. That I can't do certain things, that I can't just go about and do whatever I want. They hold me accountable, they're my bosses. Um, so, because they're elected by you guys, if I wanted to let go of a board member or fire a board member, there's a big process I have to do in order to do that. I can't just say, you know what, don't come anymore. We're going to get somebody else. There's a big process that goes through audition that we have to do. We are also part, um, I mean, I know that we're part of the church that has a big denomination. Um, so we are under them. So our district, the Mid-Atlantic District, their job is to hold me and us accountable. That's what we're called to do. Um, and that is a very, very, very good thing. If you ever go to a church where there is not a network or a denomination, because there's a lot of non-denominational uh, non churches that are still under a network. That's a good thing. That means there's accountability. If you ever go to one that does not have a network or a denomination, you should leave. Because there's no one holding that pastor accountable. They can do whatever they want. You should leave. 
permitted every three to four years a person from the from our district comes and talks with our board without me there and finds out if I am doing a good job, if I'm not, and depending on what the board says, they can let me go like that. They can say you're not approved to, to continue to pastor at that church. Or they might say, you know what, there's some things we don't like, we want you to work through that, we will be back in a year to check with your board. So they will do that. Um, so uh, they might come and say you're approved, and you can do it for another four years, move back in four years to make sure. That's all good things. Those are checks and balances that we have that are making sure that I'm held accountable. And then personally, which I think is important for you to know as well, personally, I have people that I meet with on a regular basis that keep me accountable. And I think you should too. I think we all should have people that we trust, that we meet with on a regular basis, that we can just pour out what's going on in our life to them, and we trust that they will not take it and tell somebody else. We trust that they have their our best interests at heart, and they will keep us accountable. That's what we should do. So I have four pastors, two of them I meet with every month, two I meet with about once a quarter, that I can just talk to them about pastoring, about some of the struggles that we're going through, about family stuff, anything I want, I can talk to them, and they hold me accountable as well. So I have three things that try to hold me accountable, and that's kind of how it works here. Next question. How many people come to Impact who are not connected to the church plan in some way? How many totally new people attend? So, if, if you're new, we, we launched in September of this past year, so we're not even a year old yet. Um, so, we launched in September of this past year. For a year, we were planning and planting and figuring out what we were going to do at Impact. For a whole year, we were, we were doing all that. And by the time we launched, we had 45 people that were in Franklin. So, we had 45 people that were on our launch team. These are people that were committed to helping us launch. Um, since then, 10 of those people already do not come anymore. So we're about 35. So, um, how many people come to Impact who are not dead church plan? About 35 people. So some of the people you see um, are part of it. Everybody else is starting coming out of there. We, we started or has been coming since then. Um, I, I can point out some people that um, you might see. Uh, Rob loves to lead worship. He's one who's in the back, not sitting in the chair. Um, Rob loves to lead worship sometimes. He was not part of the church plan. Uh, Lauren, who takes a lot of photography, is not part of the launch process. We have some people that are in big leadership roles now that started coming after we started. So um, if you were here and you started coming and you're not sure if you can connect yet because there's a launch team, then there's people that are already doing a ton of stuff that were not part of that launch team. Sherry, who sets up everything, not part of the launch team. So um, so there is still the, probably the majority of people that come are not part of that. So uh, then I think we have one more question, which I'm glad I have enough time because this is going to take the longest for me to answer for sure. Um, here's my, the last question, and we're going to wrestle with this one for a while. The rest of this time, we're going to wrestle with this question. What is the point of church membership? I struggle to see it as anything more than drawing a line in the sand between the people who are part of the community and the people who are actually a part of the community. Is there any biblical support for the concept of church membership? This is a great question. Um, I love this question. Some, some of us, and here's my last question, some of you, you just will jump into church membership because you just kind of know what you're supposed to do, but you don't even really know what it means. And then other people have struggled with this because of, of exactly what this question says, that you're struggling to just jump in because you feel like you're just being trolling wise in the same. So I get that. So um, first thing I want to do before we um, really start answering this question, and I have four points to answer this question, is talk about what the church is. What is the local church? It's important to understand this so we can move forward. Uh, here's the local church is. The local church is the best message I found about it. The local church is a gathering of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
who are committed, that's a key word, to meet regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship, and prayer. And who help make disciples of all people. So I think the key word there is committed. They are committed to say, I'm committed to do all these things, to meet regularly, to teach, for, to hear teaching and fellowship. Um, this structure, and I know um, we're kind of in a day where we don't like the structure of, of church. This structure um, that most churches follow when it comes to elders or deacons or pastors or leadership like that, um, one thing I think is important for you to know is it wasn't made up by like America. Like this is biblical. Um, this structure that, that a lot of churches have when it comes to elders and leadership in the church is found in the Bible. In fact, uh, here's what Hebrews 13, verse 17 says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls and will give an account for their work. Let them do this with joy and not with complaints, for this would be no advantage to you. And I think of I think that I always notice when I read this as a leader is they will give an account for their work. So for the people that have burned you, the pastors that have broken their trust, they will keep an account. They will have to answer for that one day. I truly believe that. And that is a weight that we, that as leaders, we should be carrying. But when it comes to becoming a, belonging to a church, becoming a, a member of a church, um, here's what, to be completely honest with you, refusing to belong to a church, saying, I'm not willing to do that one day, I'm not willing to fully, I, I will come, and I will just here and there just dabble, but I refuse to belong to it. It gets to a point where you are refusing to be held accountable for what you do and who you are. We all should be held accountable. We all should have that in place. And so the, the question also asks, is there a, a command that talks about how you should become a member of a church? And um, the answer is no. There's no scripture in the Bible that says you should become a member of a church. And here is why there's no scripture in the Bible that says you should become uh, a member of a church. Because in the early church, it was assumed. Everyone was a member. If you went to the church, you were a member of that church. See, here, in, in our day and age, it's hard to think about it, but in our day and age, here in Sykesville, there's many other churches, right? We're not the only church in Sykesville, let alone any city. Back then, if there was a church in, Eph if there was a church in Ephesus, city of Ephesus, that was the only church in Ephesus. So if you lived in Ephesus, then you belonged to the church in Ephesus. No other option, right? That's what you had to do. So, um, every, in, in, this, in, in the Bible, every time it talks about people going to a church, it is assumed that you are a member of the church. I'll give you examples. Watch First Corinthians chapter five, verse twelve through thirteen. For what do I have to do with judging those outside? Are you not to judge those inside? But God will judge those outside. Remove the evil person from among you. He's, this Paul, this letter was being written to a church. Don't just be watching. Judge the people that are part of you, that belong to you. First John chapter two, verse nineteen. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Was ever belonged? Because if they had belonged to us. They would have remained with us, but they went out from us and demonstrated that all of them do not belong to us. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elder, appointed elder for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Acts 20, verse 28. Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock from which the Holy Spirit is made who overseers, the shepherd, the shepherd of the church of God, that he obtained the blood of his own. 
It's hard for me as a pastor to shepherd the flock, that's the metaphor, to shepherd the flock if I don't know who the flock is. If the flock is an undefined group of people that come. But when we decide to belong to a church, it's a lot easier. See, with all these verses, and there's a lot more, I just didn't feel like I need to give you even more. With all these verses, you would have to give me verses that tell you that it's okay for you not to belong. With all the verses that are in the scripture about belonging and assuming that you are a member and belong to the church, you should give me verses that say it's own. Because over and over it is assumed. See, I believe that the church, with all of its flaws, with how imperfect it is, because I'm telling you this, if you look at the history of the church, man, we have really done a bad job representing God with the church. We have done a lot of mistakes. We have done a lot of things. The church that even with all of its flaws, everything that it has, I still believe that is the crucial way that God shows up in our world today. I still believe that. That even though the church is not perfect, and even though there are people that have corrupted the church, that the church is still the best way, still the best way for God to move in this world. Uh, I love this quote from John Scott talking about the church. It says this, If the church is central to God's purpose, as seen in both history and the gospel, it must surely also be central to our lives. How can we take lightly what God takes so seriously? How dare we push to the circumference when God is placed at the center? So besides scripture pointing to um, and assuming that, that you are part of church and you belong to the church, why else should we? So I'm going to give you four ways, uh, in the next ten minutes, maybe four ways that will get you guys out of here, okay? Four ways that I believe we should belong to the church. One, uh, Christ died for the church. Christ died for the church. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says that husbands should love their wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That God and Christ loved her so much that he died for the church. And we've already talked about it. The church has done some terrible things. The church has been a terrible representation at times of Jesus' love. But yet still, Jesus came and died for the church. So how can we say that we're willing to follow Jesus, but we're not willing to take part in the thing that he died for? It just doesn't make sense. And I know what we might say is that all well, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites and the church is divisive, and I know it. I know it is. But I am so thankful that Jesus still died for me when I was a hypocrite, when I was divisive, when I was flawed, when I was broken. And I'm so glad he died for you at the same time. Jesus loved the church so much that he died for it. So if we say we are a follower of Jesus, we should really take part in the thing that he loved and the thing that he died for. Number one, Christ died for the church. Number two, the church cares for you and holds you accountable. The church cares for you and holds you accountable. What it's supposed to be, the church cares for you and holds you accountable. So, um, I have a great family. Actually, one of the questions we got was, tell us about your family. Um, I have a great family. I have a wife with three kids, uh, Brooklyn, Savannah, and Noah. I have uh, a brother who is also a church planner, um, a younger brother, not as good-looking brother. <laughs> and then I have a sister who you might have met. My parents come here. They're playing around. My mom's back there. My dad probably greeted you more often. Um, so uh, my dad's the one who has less gray hair than I do, even though it's more than me. Um, my family, they are there for me when I need them. 
something goes wrong, if, if things are not going the way it should, uh, they're there for you and they will take care of you. But you know what else my family does? Because what a good family does, especially if you're talking about your immediate family, your spouse, is they will be accountable. If I start doing something I'm not supposed to do, especially my wife, she's really good at it. If I start acting or, or focusing on things that I should not be focusing on, or doing things or behaving ways I should not behave, she will check up on me and say, hey, you better cut that out. Hey, don't do that. She holds me accountable, and that's a very, very good thing. And the church in its purest form is there to care for you and to hold you accountable. But here's why, for a lot of us, we don't feel this all the time. We might feel like they care for us, but us accountable. Like, the church is not. Uh, at me and God, uh, I'll, I'll deal with that. Here's why we start to feel that way at times. Because we think of church membership as that. Membership. I need to become a member of a church. Most churches you ever belong to, you are a member of that church. And uh, when, you come, when it comes to membership, it starts to feel like a club that you are part of or a voluntary organization. And when you are a member of something, that organization is there to serve you, not the other way around. Um, that's why we purposely do not call people members here. Instead, we call people owners. We don't want people that are just going to say, you know what, I'll, I'll become a member here so you can serve me, and then when something's not going wrong, I'm going to complain to the leader because they're going to take care of things for you, okay? No, that's not what we want. We want people that are saying, I want to take ownership here because I'm part of this. That God has, has, has gone for the church, has, has blessed the church, has died for the church, and I'm taking part of what he loves so much. I'm taking ownership of this. It's not just about you, it's not just about, it's us together doing this. If you've been around, you've heard us say this, but members have rights, members have what? Responsibilities. If you're around long enough, you can get sick of that saying, but it's true. Members have rights, owners have responsibilities. And when you are an owner, or when you are part of a family, a family's going to take care of you if you need it. But a family is also going to call you out when you need to be called out. See, I truly believe that when you come to church, there should be times where you leave and you are not happy. That it did not feel good what was, said, what was said. That you are so convicted by whatever I said, Michelle said, anyone says, that when you leave, you were thinking, you were like, I did not like going to church today. That is a good thing, because we are there to hold you accountable. That we should have people that you trust whether it's in a group, whether it's in leadership, whether it's friends here that hold you accountable, that when you start going down a path that we know is taking you down a path of destruction, that they're going to say, hey, you need to turn around because we love you. That is love, right? It's not love if I just love my kid run out the street and get hit by a car. Love is saying, no, we need, to, we need to be careful. We need to watch out where we're going. We need to correct each other. So the church cares for you and holds you accountable, and a lot of us need that. I know I do. I need to be held accountable. We all need to be held accountable. That's what the church is there to do. Number three, the church fulfills the mission of Jesus. The church fulfills the mission of Jesus. I always hear this question, and um, we kind of talk about this question in week one, but I hear this question a lot. Like, why doesn't God do something about this? Why doesn't God do something about this, this tragedy that happened? Why doesn't God do something about what's going on in this world? I mean, there's so many people that are struggling with poverty. Why doesn't God do something about this? Church, he told us to. That's what we're here for. He called us and commissioned us. He said, your job now is to be me to everybody. To go into some foundation to show love, not only for God, but to everybody. That is your job. So we say, why doesn't God do something about this? We should be asking ourselves. God may be looking at you and say, why don't you do something about this? I gave you the job. I commissioned, I gave you the authority to go and do 
something about this. The church, the idea of the church is to fulfill the mission of Jesus, to go and make disciples of all nations, to go and help people that are far from Jesus be connected to him. And those that already know Jesus, to grow in Jesus and to look more like Jesus and to dive deeper in their faith. See, how can we say that we want to fulfill the mission of Jesus, but we are refusing to belong to the church when God gave the mission to the church? Let me give you an, an analogy of this. I'm a big Ravens fan. Ravens season's about to start. Um, one, another question we got that I had to cover time was, are any people not welcome at Impact? I said, everyone's welcome, even Steelers fans, okay? Even if you're Steelers fans, you can still come. So now we're gonna, but anyways, uh, there's a few, I'll answer that up. But let's say, um, as, a, as a Ravens fan, let's say that there is a, a player that sees the mission of the Ravens. Our mission is always the Super Bowls, obviously. And so, um, so that sees that mission. They go, they go to John Harbaugh, who's the coach of the Ravens, and says, hey, I love what you're doing here. I love the organization here. Uh, your practice facility is great. Uh, man, I just love the, the way you lead this team, and I love your mission. I want to be part of that mission. I want to go, and I want to win a Super Bowl with you. Here's the thing, I don't want to actually join the team. I'll come to practice sometimes. You know what, I'll, I'll, I'll be at most of the games, but I'm not joining this team. What's the coach gonna say? No, if you want to help us fulfill the mission, you need to commit, you need to be part of it. You need to commit to that. So the church fulfills the mission of Jesus. And then the last one, number four, the church gives you a place to serve. The church gives you a place to serve. Well, John, you can Church gives you a place to serve. Number four. See, the idea that, that a church is a place that you can come and get spoon-fed righteousness and spoon-fed God to you is not a biblical idea. It's not in the Bible. There's no example in the Bible that says, you come to church and they'll take care of the salvation for you. It's not. See, the church helps you and gives you a place to serve. The church is a place where you are called to take part in it, to be part of it, and serve. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. Belonging to a local church helps you put into practice the idea that so we might need to hear, life is not about Helps put that into practice. I think a lot of us know that, to believe that, but we don't put it into practice. And the church is a place that you can start to put that into practice. That you are called to put others first through service. And if you belong and take ownership in the local church, there's no way you can belong and then sit idly by while everyone does the work for you. You can't do it, right? You're part of a family, you can't do that. If you're married, you can't just sit by and be like, oh, I'm just going to watch you all, they do all the work. You know, you eventually you gotta put in your time, right? You gotta do what you have to do. And when you say, I'm gonna belong and commit to a local church, to a local family, when I do that, it's gonna make you serve. Because you're not gonna sit on your mind. When you truly believe that, you feel commissioned to do something about the mission God has given the church. So, thinking about these questions, I was trying to think of a Way to close the series, and I didn't think of anything. Couldn't think of a single thing. And here's why: these questions, especially about the church, is so hard to answer in the 
25, 30 minutes. And it's so hard to really be able to communicate to each one of you with your unique need. Because all of you have a story behind why you're here. All of you have something in your life that you're going through. And then if you're struggling with this idea, that there's way more to it than that. So here's what I want to encourage you as I get ready to say you guys and I'll get some lunch. I want to encourage you. Any of these questions you are still struggling with, you talk to somebody, talk to me, talk to Frank, talk to Michelle, talk to any leaders. Send me questions, send me an email. Ask me some more questions. My job here is to help you find a place that you belong. My prayer is that you feel like you belong here. And that you will come in. Some of you, you won't. No hard feelings. I would love for you to be here, but I understand that there's times when it just doesn't seem to connect. I, I have some great suggestions for other great churches that you can belong to. But my hope for you is not that you belong to Impact, it's that you belong to a local church. You have fulfill the mission that you serve, that you learn how to love, and that you are cared for and you are held accountable. We can do that for you here, and so can a lot of other places. So, I want to encourage you as you leave. If, if you're here and you are part of an Impact Church, I want you to think about why you decided to. Because some of you, you did it just because that's the next flash I had to take. I want you to think about, so am I really part of this? Do I really feel like I'm putting my, my part in on this? Or am I just a member that took an ownership class? For those of you that are here, that you are not an owner. I want you to pray about where God is calling you to belong. Because over and over in Scripture, God says that we should belong somewhere. The church is not perfect. I promise you. I not perfect. Ask my wife. There's a lot of things that, that we might not do 100% right. But still, Christ died for the church. So I want to encourage you as you leave to think about and to pray about and to, and to work through where you were called to belong. Because all I know is that you were called to belong somewhere. You deserve a family that cares for you. You deserve a family that will hold you accountable. You deserve that. And don't let whatever pain you've gone through in the past prevent you and rob you of the joy that can be found through a family in the local church. Those that are owners, I just want to say to you, you got some work to do. There's still a work in the world out there that needs help. It only works if we do it together. So, I'm going to pray. As you guys get out of here next week, we're going to talk about um, how we follow Jesus a little bit. We got a lot of questions that came. And then the last week, we're just going to go random fire questions, a bunch of random questions we're going to answer, and then we're going to have a nice cookout. So, let me pray for you guys. And you, guys out here. you guys, thank you for loving us so much and sending your son for us and giving us hope and giving us grace. Dear God, I thank you that you love the church, that you have commissioned us to do your work, that even though we have not been perfect, even though we are not always what we should be, and even though at times we don't represent you correctly, that you still love us. God, I pray that you convict us as a church to make sure that we are representing you correctly. That if there's things we need to adjust, things we need to change, or things we need to do personally, that we, we work on that. We got our hope and our prayer is that you make us a church that is just showing the love that you have for everybody. God, I pray for everyone in this room. As they figure out why they belong and where they should belong, I pray that you just help them to guide them their journey in life 
as they are trying to find that place. I pray that you heal wounds that are in this room. I pray that you um, just give comfort to the people that are going through some things. And I just pray that, uh, that everything we do is for your glory. We love you, we praise you. Thank you for everything you are and everything you've done. In your son's name, amen. Okay. Thank you guys again so much. Again, if this is your first time here, you can head to the Waffle Tent, drop off your connection card. If your second time here, don't forget your impact your shirt. Go ahead and grab that. We'll see you guys back next week for part three of the grill.